States. Good morning, everybody. How are you all? Good to see you all. It's, we had uh, had to deal with the corona mess, um, but thank goodness Heather is doing a lot better. Um, and I know I was kind of feeling even as Daniel was sharing that I know there's some of a the of our body, our family that are watching online. And um, so, hello, guys. Um, I feel like we're supposed to pray for you guys uh, specifically. And I just encourage you, if you're feeling under the weather, if you got something going on, just go ahead and place your hands on your body. And I want to encourage us as a family here, let's just like let's lift them up and just come in agreement for the Lord to touch them where they're at right now. You know, there's no space and time doesn't really matter to God, right? The Holy Spirit can be anywhere, anytime. He is everywhere, right? So we just lift you guys up right now, and we just command healing to, to come upon you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. Father, we just pray you would release healing. You said whatever we loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Father, we release your healing that was purchased by your stripes right now in Jesus' name. We command coronavirus to die. We command pain to go, arthritis to go, inflammation go in Jesus' name. Lord, touch them. Let your presence, your manifest presence, enter into that room right now in Jesus' name. Just displace all sickness, discouragement, weariness in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we love you guys. We're praying for you. And um, yeah, well, let's get started. You guys ready? <laughs> See where the Lord takes us this morning. Lord, we just, I just invite you, Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here already. You said we're two or more gathered in your name. You're here in our midst. And we just, we just honor your presence. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. You're more welcome than anybody else. We're here for you. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So over the past couple months, we've been talking uh, a lot about the promises of God and um, fighting for the promises of God, coming in agreement together, fighting together to see God's purposes, his plans established. You guys recall these messages that, that we've been talking about? Yeah, <laughs> if not, I guess listen to the podcast, but there's been a theme here that the Holy Spirit has been really speaking to me personally, and I, I believe, you know, uh, to the body here, Josh and uh, Travis have been sharing the same kind of general feel. We've been kind of getting the same thing along the lines that this is really a year for us to take God's promises on our life serious and to value them, and to go after them together as a family. Because, you know, like, I know I'm a broken record with this, but like, you know, the purposes of God were designed to work interdependently with the body. You're not just like a finger or an arm that's separated from a body. I mean, you won't function. You'll just shrivel up and die. Our purposes and our plan, the plans that God has for our life, they are interdependent with the body. 
and we need each other. And we've been talking about that. That's why we've been talking about home groups. That's why we've been talking about coming together and fighting together and prayer, coming in agreement with one another. And um, I feel like this is going to like, the message is really for us corporately, but it's also for us personally. Um, but we're going to do something like corporately together uh, as we get through this. I, I want to talk about having faith and patience and inheriting the promise. So if you guys want to turn to Hebrews six twelve in your Bibles, and uh, I'm going to kind of give us a, a little bit of a clean slate here. You guys got these, right? These are our three. Yeah, you guys remember them? <laughs> All right. Our Hebrews 6.12, it says, We do not want you to become lazy or sluggish, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. And, um, you know, the Lord was kind of been speaking to me about this really over the past few months, and we've been talking about fighting for our promise, but there, there is a, a call for us as a body to, to see the things that have been prophesied, the things that have been spoken over us as a body and individually, to see them come to pass. And there's like an encouragement from the Holy Spirit for us to partner with him. Um, you know, sometimes when we get this picture of faith and patience, unfortunately, some believers, and just because in the natural, like, we get this picture of us, like, sitting, you know, in the doctor's office, patiently waiting for our next turn, for our turn to, like, go see the doctor. We're, we're patiently uh sitting and waiting at the DMV or something, you know, well, maybe we're not patient, but like at least, you know, we're kind of just passively kind of like waiting for our turn. And that's not what this is talking about. That the patience that Hebrews six twelve is talking about is it's a militant patient. We talked about this a couple of months ago. It's a militant patience. And that almost sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? to be military and to like to be like patient. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Doesn't patience kind of seems like a passive word sometimes. But it's not. There is a, a a militancy about being patient for the promise. And um you know, God is inviting us to get militant with him about these promises, to value the promises, to value the purposes of our personal life and us corporately. I'm almost kind of feeling like this is like a more of a corporate thing. We've kind of addressed a lot of like us personally, but I, want, I kind of want to talk to us as a body this morning, as a family here, that like God's calling us as a family to fight together for the purposes that he has for our church. You know, and um, I don't believe it's going to come with it just, you know, the leadership just praying for it. That's part of the, the solution, but it's not the whole thing. I think God is he's inviting us as a body. He needs the body for these things that he has for our, our church. He needs all of us, you know. And um, I don't know if you guys remember that... Uh, the, that dream about a few good men. Do you guys remember that? Like, I think it was last year. Remember that? Where we had a, um, 
where God's looking for a few good men. And then I, I was like, I either uh, somebody had a dream about it, and then I was like, somebody was watching it that day, that movie, the same day or something kind of crazy. You know, God is, he's looking for us together as a body to see the purposes come, the past. So, so faith doesn't look like just sitting patiently waiting like at the doctor's office or the DMV. There's a militancy to it. You know, Matthew eleven twelve. what does it say? The kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. There is a violence with patiently enduring. Now, obviously, it's not against flesh or blood. We're not, like, fighting physically with anything or anybody. But there is a spiritual violence that goes on when we see the kingdom of God and the purposes of God established where... God's planted you. So many times we've gotten prophetic words and we kind of like, okay, cool. That's an awesome word. I love that word. That's great. And we kind of write it in our journal or whatever, or we have a recording of it and we just kind of stick it kind of on the shelf and we're just like, all right, Lord, when you want to do it, do it. And that's not how the kingdom works. Do you guys, do you guys understand what I'm saying? There's a fight that takes place for you to inherit that prophetic word, for it to come to realization in the natural. There's a violence that is needed for it to come to pass. So we're going to get we're going to kind of dig into this a little bit. So you know, uh, in order to imitate this faith and patience that Hebrews 6.12 is talking about, we need to know uh, what it really looks like, okay? So we know what is faith. Everybody know what faith is? Right, right. Hebrews 11.1, faith is assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So we know what that is. Now, that, I'll be honest with you. That it's, it's kind of a little bit ambiguous to me. You, you know, it's kind of like uh, you can do the Sunday school answer. What is faith? And they're, oh, it's Hebrews 11.1, one, you know, and it's kind of like, oh, yeah, but what does it really look like in your life? And, uh, and I, I feel like we need to kind of dig into this because there's a practicality to our faith that we need to get a hold of. And uh, so what does it practically look like? We're getting into this. Luke 18. Go ahead and turn to Luke 18. Now he, now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. He was saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man, and there was a widow in the city, and she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. 
And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night, and will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I always thought that was like an odd question after this parable. You got anybody else kind of like, that's an odd question. Will he find faith on the earth when the Son of Man comes? After he's talking about this kind of injustice and this lady that's nagging and bothering this judge. But it's pointing to the picture that Jesus was trying to portray here, that faith looks like this. And he's saying, will I find faith like this, like the widow, on earth when I come? And so what did that faith look like? People shout, you guys can shout out. This is, we got a small crew here. What did a faith look like? How did it practically play out with this widow? Persistence, right? Yeah. What does it say? That uh, she continually comes to me. Continually. Persistence. What else? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, determination. That's right. That's good. Yeah. 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 So she came, yeah, she came confident. Yeah. Courage. Yeah. What else? I mean, get, I mean, you guys can get raw here. I mean, what? Did, <laughs> she was humble. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I'd, I'd say she was humble. Annoying. She was annoying. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Picture yourself as this judge, or if you're a parent. And you've got a little one who wants some candy and is constantly coming up to you. Mommy, 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 can, can I get some candy? Mommy, 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 mommy. Squeaky will get spoiled. <laughs> Squeaky will get spoiled. Desperate. She was desperate. She was desperate. What else? You are right. You're right. She had to get to a place where she saw she had a need and she couldn't fulfill it, so she humbled herself going to somebody who could meet it, right? You're right. And then bugged him. <laughs> then bugged him, yeah. What did he say? She's going to wear me out. How many of you parents have been worn out by your kids nagging you and annoying you for whatever? <laughs> I love my kids. <laughs> but you know you guys have done that. <laughs> it's okay. I did it when I was a kid. We all do it. But Jesus is trying to paint a picture here to get us out of our religiosity of what faith is. Faith is just stoically waiting and 
and, you know, telling, I'm just believing God, brother, you know, or like how we just get kind of religious. I'm telling you, Jesus was trying to break that mindset of what faith looks like. Faith is raw. Faith is desperate. Faith is an annoying, badgering (laughs) little kid or widow in this, in this place. Give me justice. Give me some candy. Does that make sense? Yeah. So verse three, it says, she kept coming to him. So did she go one time and be like, give me justice, I need it. All right, see you later, thanks. I, I believe you're giving it to me. I'm just gonna go my way and praise God. <laughs> no. There was a consistency there, a persistence. You guys got to get this consistency. There is supernatural power in your willingness and consistency to bug, to bug God. It's not that God needs us to be, he's not like some kind of, I don't know, you know, narcissistic whatever being that's just kind of like, yeah, keep it coming. Come on, come on. Yeah, now keep, I want, I need to hear some more. You're not serious about that. That's not who our God is. Now, the judge might have been this, but we have a, a loving father who knows that in the process of us going continually, consistently to him to see the the purposes and the promises of God established, he knows that we are changed in this process. So, so Jesus, he's painting this picture here of what faith really looks like, okay? You know, it's Isaiah, let's see, verse five, it says, you know, the judge described the woman as being bothersome and being we- or wearing him out and continually coming to him. You know, and it reminds me, the Holy Spirit brought Isaiah 62, 6 to my mind. It says, on your walls, Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen all day, all night. They will never keep silent. You who profess the Lord, take no rest for yourselves and give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem an object of praise on the earth. Give him no rest. Do you see the connection here? This persistent night and day going after God consistently, God, do what you said you would do. Do what you said you would do. Do what you said you would do consistently, whether they felt it or not, whether the anointing was in the room or not, they were just had a decision within their hearts to say, yes, God, I believe what you said is going to come to pass, and I'm going to bring it to remembrance to you until it is established, until it's done. Because you, here's the crazy thing about it, you know, Jesus is obviously, he's, he's He's doing this, this comparison about a righteous or an unrighteous judge with the righteous father. And he's doing that on purpose. He's saying, you know, basically, you've got this loving father who actually initiates the plans and the purposes for your life. He's the one who invented them and then gives you a prophetic word through somebody or he gives you a dream or whatever. He's the one who actually initiates it don't you think he's going to make it come to pass if we actually value it and pursue it with him? 
That's what Jesus is saying. We have a good father. He established. He invented your purpose. He invented the purpose. When he was thinking of Wilmington Morningstar here, before any of us even knew what Morningstar or what Wilmington, where Wilmington was, I knew neither of those things what they were 20 years ago. Before he was thinking about this, he had a purpose. He had a plan. And he's been speaking it to us over the years, confirming it over and over and over and over and over again. And there have been seasons where we've had like increase. And there's been seasons where we've had lack. And there's been seasons of breakthrough. And then there's been tough seasons. We've seen a lot of tough seasons over the whatever, how many years has this church been here? But guess what? His purposes, his plans for this place, for this body, for us as a family, they're still yes and amen. But there's a responsibility from us he's waiting for. For us to come together and to take hold of these promises and to go after them together to see him established here in Wilmington. And I guarantee you they will affect your personal life, your family, your neighbors, this community, Wilmington, the city of Wilmington. When they come to pass, because I mean, they're pretty big and we talked about them. Okay, so if this is what faith looks like, this is a picture of this rudeness. I want to almost say it's like rude. Faith is rude. <laughs> so faith looks like consistent, bold prayer, almost bothering prayer, holy stubbornness. What does this bold, consistent prayer practically look like? And so let's turn to, well, you guys can just read because we don't have much time. I'm just going to read through these scriptures and kind of bring the connections here. James five sixteen says, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. And this is the amplified version, so if you just want to listen. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. I'll read that again. The earnest, heartfelt, continued Prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Elijah was a man like, with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Okay, you guys seeing a connection here to this widow? Now, a lot, of, a lot of people, let me just go here. A lot of people would read that verse, James 5, 16, and they're like, man, a righteous man. Ugh. I just like cussed out that dude who cut me off. I'm not too righteous. Now, if you're going that route, let me stop you and let you know if you are a born-again believer, you are the righteousness of Christ. There's been an exchange that takes place. So you can take this verse to the bank. Your righteousness is not based on your behavior. It is based on the behavior and the obedience and the power of the cross. 
so you can come before God in righteousness, boldly before his throne. And guess what? That prayer can accomplish much because it's not dependent on how good you were that day. Does that make sense? We've got to get this because the enemy will come against you every time and say, you can't pray for this promise today. Look at you. You did this. You did that. You yelled at this person. You cussed at that person. You lied. Da, 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 da. And he's going to come and he's going to try to stop you from being consistent because he knows if you're consistent that the gates of hell will not prevail. So he's going to come alongside and he's going to go after your righteousness. And then you got to come back. What Daniel was even saying, how Jesus, he came back with the word. I, it is not based on me. It is based solely on what Jesus did. I am the righteousness of Christ. There's no more condemnation for those in Christ. And say, shut up, enemy. This is not what I did. This is all what he did. And you go after it. You shut him down. Because how many of you guys have tried going after something with God and the enemy comes and he starts seeing you like making some progress and he comes along and he starts poking at you? Come on, everybody. We all do it. Don't, don't listen to the punk. <laughs> Seriously. Shut him down with the word of God. Move forward. Okay, all right. So let's look at uh, Elijah real quick. First Kings eighteen forty one because it talked about there's a comparison of this righteous man's prayer availing much, and um, and then talks about Elijah. So First Kings eighteen forty one it says now Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of a roar of heavy heavy shower. So Ahab went up there to eat and drink, but Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he bent down to the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and he said, there's nothing. I don't see anything. Yet Elijah said, go back, go back, go back, go back, go back, go back, go back. I think that's seven times. (laughs) Seven times he told him to go back. And the guy would come back and say, I don't see anything. There's nothing. Go back. And when he returned the seventh time, he said, behold, a a cloud as small as a person's hand, this little dinky thing, it's coming up from the sea. And Elijah said, go up, say to Ahab, harness your chariot, horses go down so that heavy shower does not stop you. Meanwhile, the sky became dark with clouds and the wind came up and there was a heavy shower and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. So Elijah, he prayed how many times? What? Seven times. Okay, so there's a consistency there, right? And that's what James 5 was talking about. There was a consistent prayer. So he prayed the first time. He tells his servant, go look. The servant gives him a report that is contrary to what he's praying, right? Did he get discouraged? Did Elijah get discouraged? Well, he, maybe. Maybe he did. He didn't really say he did. But he, did, he didn't let that discouragement stop him. He prayed again, nothing. He prayed again, nothing. He prayed again, nothing. He prayed again. Seventh time, this dinky little cloud, I mean, goodness, like the size of a hand, this small thing pops up. 
And then he knew from that point, I don't know if he got from the Holy Spirit or whatever he knew at that point, it, it has begun. <laughs> and, the, and the downpour, the drought was uh, um, ending. So there was like a, there was a positioning that, that Elijah took with the Lord to see this promise, to see this, uh, the drought to be, um, to end. And there was a consistency there, even in the face of, of bad reports, really, we can just say what it is, bad reports. How many of you guys getting bad reports after you pray for things and you don't see anything happen and sometimes you see things worse? This is what faith looks like. This is what it practically looks like in your prayer life, the wrestling that goes on with you and God. All right. Let's jump through here. Genesis 32, 24 says, So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled him with, with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. This is a picture of faith. This is a practical pr- picture of faith. Now, obviously, we're not wrestling with angels or the angel of the Lord. Not yet, at least, right? <laughs> but there was a desperation that Jacob had. He valued the blessing of God so much that he was willing to wrestle an angel. I, I still... I mean, we religiousize this story so much, but man, that must have been some crazy happening. Can you imagine that? I mean, seriously, an angel. I've seen an angel one time in my life. I don't want to wrestle an angel. His shoulders were like five feet wide, and he was like nine foot tall. I'm not wrestling that thing. He was desperate. He didn't care. And in the process of his wrestling and working with partnering in a sense, (laughs) that's a little bit of a stretch, right? He was marked. He was changed. What changed? How was he changed? You guys remember the story? He He was given a name, Israel, right? What else? His hip got knocked out. And I think that's a prophetic picture of the change that took place. What did he look like walking around from that point on? He probably was like this. (laughs) But I think it was a prophetic picture that his walk was permanently changed in this encounter. His walk with God. His walk with the Lord was permanently affected by his persistent pursuit of promises and the blessing of God on his life. The same thing happens to us. We call it the process, right? We talk about it all the time. That's why God's not like this unrighteous judge. He's he's just like, "Ah, keep it coming, keep it coming. No, he's, he's a loving father. He's like, get closer, come closer, come closer. Come closer. Because he knows that as we come closer and closer and closer and we behold his face, we will be transformed into his image. 
There's a supernatural sanctification that takes place when you get near him. You can't help but not be changed. You cannot help but be different when you encounter him. And he knows this. So that's why he's a loving father. Maybe doesn't give us the answer the first time or doesn't give us the promise the first time we ask. He knows that he's like saying, Paul, come closer. Come closer. Just a little bit more. Oh, you're almost there. You're almost there. You're getting closer. You might not see you're getting closer, but you're getting closer to me. You might not see the change that's taking place in your heart, but I see it. Come closer. And then all of a sudden we're changed to be like him because we're, we behold him, right? And all of a sudden the promise that God has for us is no longer dangerous in a sense. The blessing isn't going to be dangerous necessarily for us because we have the character now to walk it out because we're like him. Does that make sense? Man, I tell myself that all the time because I hate the process. <laughs> Lord, I want to be like you. You're the most beautiful, awesome person in the whole universe. I want to know you. I want to be like you. I want to get close. Even when it hurts. Even when I'm not seeing anything. Even if I prayed seven times, I see nothing. You know, that's what faith looks like. This is what faith practically looks like in our prayers. All right. Gosh, I've got a lot, lot to go through, but uh, we can do a part two of this. But let me, uh, I think we're supposed to do something here real quick uh, for the last maybe five minutes here. Well, let me Let me just share a story quick to kind of give some real real life stuff to this and then uh we can kind of switch gears you know um i was a worship leader gosh for a long time let's see i think i started leading worship when i was gosh heather how old was i 19 or something like that 18 19 and it was not on my radar you know at all i didn't really want to be i didn't want to be ministry or anything like that um but god started showing up in my life I love, he started specifically showing up in, in music and worship when I would worship him and I mean, crazy ways and, uh, and people were getting affected by it and, um, and he would just kind of show up, you know, and I'd see people get touched by him and I was, I was just like, man, this is so awesome. This is the coolest thing to see people encounter God. And, um, and so the Lord, he called me into uh, leading worship. And so I, I, I've been a worship leader, gosh, for a long time since then. What, maybe 20 years now? Gosh, has it been 20 years? Anyway, I've had breaks and seasons. Obviously, right now, I feel like the Lord's been kind of giving me a break from it. And, um, and all through the, those, those years, you know, people would come up to me and be like, oh, man, we, you know, you should do an album. You should record this. You, you know, you should record these songs. Da, 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 da. And you know, people would take the songs that God would give me, and you know, use them at their churches and the conferences and stuff like that. And um, and I was like, okay, well, God, if you want to do that, you know, that's cool. I didn't really, I didn't really. I'll be honest, I didn't really care that much. 
And, um, and then this guy comes up to me. This is probably maybe 10 years ago. And he comes up and he's like, Paul, I, I feel like the Lord told me that I'm supposed to fund you going to the studio, doing an album, blah, 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 blah. I've got a friend who's a producer in Atlanta, and I'll pay for it all or whatever, blah, blah, blah. So I was just like, what? I was like, wow, okay. You got my attention. I prayed about it, and, uh, and I knew that there was, there was something there. I knew, God, there was a promise there because like, people would give me words about it, you know, like, Paul, you're supposed to do an album, blah, 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 you know, all this stuff. And um, I knew there was something there, so I prayed about it. I was like, all right, man, let me pray about it. I prayed about it. I had a dream literally the next day, the next night. And in the dream, I was there in this studio in Atlanta, and it was really bad. <laughs> like, I don't know. It was just like things weren't going as though they were supposed to. The person wasn't who they said they were. All this kind of crazy stuff going on. And I woke up from the dream. I remembered all. I knew it was the Lord. I was like, okay, Lord. Okay, but When? When do you want me to do this? And um, so I told the guy, "Now, nah, man, I, I just don't feel like it's the Lord. But I thank you, though. And, and I want to say, what was that? Five, six years later, I all of a sudden start, the Lord starts speaking to me these promises or whatever again. I started having dreams about this stuff. And I was like, we were just about to have Joshua, our fourth. I was uh, busy with my work, busy with ministry stuff, you know, and, um, and I'm like, Lord, I don't have the capacity for this. Are you sure? You know, whatever. And I'm asking the Lord, I'm literally asking, Lord, do you want me to plan to start doing this? And like immediately the scripture dropped in my head and my heart, you know, it was Isaiah uh, 32, eight. And it literally says a noble man makes noble plans. And by his noble deeds, he succeeds basically and if you guys don't know my last name's noble um i was like okay god i'll do it whatever you want me to do and so you know but during this process i'm praying and i'm i'm pursuing god in this lord show me who the right producer is lord i don't have any money we were like dirt poor at this place and we were about to have another kid and i was like lord you got to do this this has got to be all you but but there was a, a I couldn't just sit back in the DMV office or the doctor's office and just kind of sit and wait for it to come to pass. He was inviting me to partner with him and to pursue this thing. And miraculously, all of the money, we're talking thousands of dollars here because the the right producer came about, the right money came about, everything, all the musicians came about. I mean, it was miraculous. Uh, we, We were able to put put out an album and, you know, um, believe in God's using it. And, and, uh, but there was a, there was a realization of the promise there, there took a fight. There was a violence that needed to take place and God was all along. But during this process, he was changing my heart as I was getting closer and closer to him. And he was helping me to be, he was bringing me to a place to be able to to carry whatever he wanted me to carry when it came to fruition. And we're talking, how many years is that? That was like, gosh, it was a long time. We're talking 15 years. And, um, but if I had been passively waiting for it, it would have never came to pass. 
You guys get this? I know you guys have lots of promises that the Lord's given you over the years. He's waiting for you to take them serious. He's waiting for you to value them. He's waiting you to come cl- waiting for you to come close. In a consistent consistency, I'm telling you. Especially when you don't feel anything. Because most of the time, you're not going to feel anything when you're sitting down going after this thing. Now, when we were talking about the things about for our church, there are going to be times we're going to be praying for this stuff. And I was like, man, I prayed this thing a thousand times. I'm, I'm sick of praying this thing a thousand times. I don't want to pray it anymore, God. <laughs> Anybody been there? How many times? I don't know how else to say this differently, God. This is what I want. This is what you want. I'm just getting real here. You're going to have days like that. But those are the days that you got to remember that what faith looks like. And, and remembering that you're getting closer, whether you feel it or not, you're getting closer and you will be changed. And gosh, that's more valuable, honestly, sometimes than the, pro, the actual promise. Knowing him, being changed by him. I value it more than anything else. So he has some promises for our church. I just want to write one of them down. It is important. We talked about this, right? The Habakkuk message about making the message clear. And, um, you know, the first, uh, so we're going to do this real quick. I know, guys, we're over a little bit. Are you guys okay if we do this? Yeah? All right. So uh, and we've been doing this, and we're trying to get, get more and more. Man, there is grace <laughs> if you don't, if you're not consistent. Here's the other thing. Here's like the other enemy trap. Man, you, for, you haven't prayed in like a week for this stuff. What well, makes you think you can start again? Don't listen to the punk. He knows he's trying to keep you down. He's trying to keep you from closing your mouth and not opening it and, and professing the promises of God because he knows that you're going to do some damage on him if you, if you do. So there's grace. <laughs> the, the righteous fall seven times and then they get up, right? Uh, so anyway, um, so let me, uh, let me pull this up. So we've got... We, we have some things for this church that the Lord's been speaking to us over, gosh, over the years. And, you know, when Travis came, he was, you know, the Lord's speaking to him about things and, you know, that were confirming the things that he's been speaking all these years. And um, so one of those things is uh, the pursuit of his presence, right? So, and obviously that's the first thing of our, of our vision statement is, uh, you know, pursuing his presence. Pursuing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you like my handwriting? <laughs> so we've been, we've been going after this thing. Now, we're not talking about, and we've talked about this a lot before, we're not talking about just like, you know, touchy-feely. We're not talking about just like a, just like God be in our midst, you know. We're talking about a powerful, manifest, Shekinah, weighty presence in our midst. That's what we're praying for. 
And because God wants this to be a place, and these are the words that we've gotten over the, uh, the years, and I'm not going to go through all of them because we, for the sake, sake of time, but we got the, uh, I got this message, this is years ago, about Mark 2. The Lord, I was like, Lord, what do you want to do with our body? What are you doing? You know, and he brought me to Mark 2, and there was a specific verse that jumped out, uh, jumped out as I was reading, and it was, there was rumor that Jesus was in the house. This is the, it was the story of the, uh, the paralyzed guy got dropped down um, and this huge crowd gathered. And the Lord said, he told me very clearly, this is, this is my church growth model for you guys. This is how you're going to grow in Wilmington. There will be a rumor that Jesus is in our house. Talk about the biblical church model, church growing, you know, method. We also have this promise. It's Derek Prince. He had a prophecy back in the 70s that there is going to be a mighty move of the Holy Spirit like the Welsh Revival. And if you don't know much about the Welsh Revival, I encourage you, please, study up on it. Rick Joyner's actually got an awesome book about it. And, um, I mean, it was powerful. It transformed their nation. It had, it's, if anything, it, it's, it was a fire starter to the Azusa Street uh, move of God, and which completely tra- transformed the world. These are, these are just a small handful. These two are just two small handful of promises that God has for our body here. This is his purpose. He actually put this in the purpose of our church, that we would be a place where that Jesus would be so strong, his presence would be so strong here, that there would be a rumor among Wilmington and beyond that Jesus is in our house that he's in our midst, he's walking around, he's, there's healings taking place, there's deliverance taking place, there is a heavy, weighty presence of his Holy Spirit in our midst. And this coincides, obviously, with the Derek Prince, that there was that, that Welsh revival was such an awesome move of the Holy Spirit that the whole place was, the, the nation was transformed. That word has been spoken over Eastern North Carolina, and we have been praying God start here. And I think even when uh, when you first got here, when you were, uh, Jesse was cleaning out the office or something, you found that prophecy, right? Yeah, yeah, she did. And um, and just it was kind of a reminder. And I I I, I totally believe it was a prophetic moment. It was almost like you know, as things were transitioning, it was kind of like, hey, let's get back on track here. This is, this is what you guys are supposed to be part of and uh, participate in. Does that make sense? So this is one of the things that we as a body can be pursuing together, and I really believe that if we consistently pursue and are like the widow, and we're annoying, and we're rude, and we're like, 
like you know Travis was saying bull like a bulldog that like we're going to see this take place here in our midst now i know we're we're the we're like david's mighty men we're we're a small band <laughs> but we're mighty you're not here by an accident you're not here in wilmington in morning star fellowship church by accident you're needed God called you to come here, hopefully. (laughs) He called you to come here for a purpose that is bigger than yourself. It is kingdom. And he's inviting us. I'm telling you, I've been getting this over and over, like this invitation of Morning Star Fellowship. Come closer, come closer, come closer. I want to see my purposes and my plans established here in Wilmington, here in our church. So I guess what um, we got, I guess what I, I feel like we need to do is, is just do it. <laughs> uh, are you guys up for it? I, I was feeling like, I feel like the Lord's like kind of like, we just need to start and just like, this be a an example of like how we can in your quiet time or your loud time whatever it is that like you go after this and know that the rest of us are going after it too and that we really will see this come to pass if we consistently come before him we consistently bring it before him and i guarantee as you pursue him with this just this one thing. We've got many promises the Lord's spoken to us of his, his body, but that he's going to begin to speak to you. He's going to be giving you revelation. He's going to be giving you strategy of what we need to do to see this come to pass. So anyway, let's do it. You're up for it? Maybe you, like, I was thinking maybe we just like, we pray together just right now. We'll just take a quick couple minutes and just kind of just go after it together all right and uh i was kind of thinking maybe like you and i we could just kind of pray generally and you guys pray with us and you guys pray you up for it yeah hello okay there we are (laughs) well all right well remember this isn't like we we need everybody we need everybody You guys have the same Holy Spirit as everybody else. If you're a born-again believer, same Holy Spirit is living inside of you. Same power of God is living inside of you. And we need all of us. And remember, we were talking about the power of agreement. When we come together in agreement that, uh, you know, that we put not 1,000, but there's an exponential growth, right, that we put 10,000 to flight. And I believe that's angels, and that's probably demons too. <laughs> They're running, and angels are coming, right? <laughs> so let's just pray. Let's just ask the Lord. I just I encourage you guys, like, just let's go after this one thing. Let's target this one purpose that God has marked us with as Wilmington Morningstar of pursuing his presence for seeing him to show up in its mighty way. So... And if you don't know what to pray, pray in the spirit. I mean, just don't worry about your name. Just go out. Let's go after this thing. Father God, we just thank you for Wilmington Morningstar. We thank you that you dreamed up Wilmington Morningstar before we even knew anything about it. 
that you have purposes here that you want to see come to pass, that, Lord, these things are on your heart. Otherwise, you wouldn't have spoken to us about them. You wouldn't have called us here. You wouldn't have uh, spoken to us to be part of this body. And, Lord, we want to join with you. We want to partner with you. We want to see your purpose, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want to see your purpose done in Wilmington as it is in heaven. We want to see your presence come in a mighty way, Father. We were singing about it this morning, Lord, that we would make room for you to move in our midst, that we would make room for you, Holy Spirit, to come and to move in a mighty way, God. Help us, God. Help us to make room for you. Show us how to do it practically, Lord, how to, how to facilitate you moving in our midst, how to work with you, how to allow you to have your way. So, Lord, we are just reminding you of these promises, Lord, the Mark 2 promise, Lord, that there would be a rumor in our body that you are in our midst, that you are in our house. Father, we are coming in agreement together, and we are saying, yes, Lord, do it here. Start here. Holy Spirit, come. Jesus, come. Lord, that nobody would get the credit but you that there would be a rumor that you are here, that you are moving, that you are healing, that you are delivering, that you are setting free, that you are saving, Lord. Do it here, Lord. So, Lord, we just come in agreement. We say, yes, do it here. And, Lord, we are coming in agreement. We just thank you for Derek Prince's word that there would be a mighty move of your Holy Spirit on the eastern North Carolina that rivals and surpasses the Welsh revival. Thank you for that, Lord. Bring it, Lord. Start here. We know it's not just about us. We know it's a body thing that you're wanting to do here. But start here, God. Come, Holy Spirit, do this. Move, Lord. Move in this capacity. We need you desperately, Father. Our kids need you desperately, Father. This generation needs you desperately, Father. Wilmington needs you desperately, Father. You know, some of that desperation that he's talking about, that the Lord's calling us to, um, you know, if you're sitting there thinking, man, I just got to get out of here. This is too long of a service. Then obviously there's something going on inside of you where you're not connecting with what the Lord's saying here. There's a hunger that he's wanting us to have. That's, that we're, we're willing to sit all day if it brings God here. I want God I want God, whatever that is, however it takes. I want him. I'm so desperate for God that I'm willing to do anything to be with him. And the Lord wants to release that kind of hunger on us. So, Lord, release that hunger in our heart that we're, we're so hungry for you that we can forget about the grumbling of our, tum- our tummy. Lord, we want you. We're desperate for you, God. Put that desperation in our heart, Lord. Let us not be a church service 
Lord, that, that we're just do, going through the motions, that we're seeking something and we're not stopping until we get it. Hmm. Lord, awaken a hunger in our hearts for you, a desperation for you, that we would pursue you like Jacob until we get you. Release that desperation upon your body for you, Lord. Awaken spiritual hunger, Lord, in us. In Jesus' name. Well, guys, here's what it is. Here's what I want to. Um, I just want to encourage you real quick, and then we can go. Um, I asked my wife this morning. I said. You know, I said, have you prayed for the service today? Because I was just thinking about the, you know, I'm not, I wasn't doing anything in the service. I wasn't even supposed to be here this weekend. But I, but I, you know, I do pray for the service even when I'm not here because I want God to come and meet us. But the reality, uh, and so me and Lindsay was dialoguing about that, but it was just like, this is not our service this is our service, and what you're going to get out of this service is what you put into the service. So when you have a hunger to meet God, why are you coming to this building? Why are you getting up, putting your clothes on, and coming in here? What's the point? It, what are you seeking? You know, that's what Jesus said to the disciples when, John, when John's two disciples came to him. He said, he said, what are you seeking? That's what he asked them. And, and, and the answer was, where do you dwell? Where are you at? And that's what I want. I want to be a church that we're seeking where he is. And so if you're seeking for an encounter with God, it's, then you're praying into these meetings. And my wife was telling me, yes, she's been praying for, you know, she does pray for the meetings. And all of us need to be praying for that thing of what do I want in God at this service? We're not just coming here for the sake of coming. We're seeking something, and it's Him. Don't let a week go by that you don't pray for this service, that you don't pray to any meeting you go to, that for God to come, because it's, that's what we're after. So let's continue to do that this week. Pray for uh, the services, pray for one another, and let's keep going after this.